I'm Athena Silver. I'm Anya River. And we are the Rebel Crow. Athena is a professional psychic medium and tarot reader, among other things. Anya is a tarot reader and an astrologer, among other things. We are so excited to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, where we have fun talking about magic, tarot, mythology, astrology, and everything witchy. Find us on YouTube and on all major podcasting platforms at the Rebel Crow Psychic Show. Um, we put out a podcast episode weekly. Um, you can find more information at rebelcrowpsychicshow.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rebel Crow Psychic Show with your host, Athena Silver. Hi, guys. I'm Anya River. We have such an interesting episode planned for you guys tonight. This is the first part of a two-part episode, an interview of a very special and influential guest. And I'm so excited. I'm totally a fangirl, but whatever. <laughs> you guys yes. are going to love it. This is a huge night, and we're so happy that you're all joining us. Um, so stay tuned. everybody welcome back to the rebel crow psychic show um we are so excited tonight to introduce author and curandera erica buenaflor athena would you like to tell us a little more of course so erica is one of my favorite teachers i'm just going to put it out there we have talked about her before on this podcast she has been such a huge positive force in my life so I definitely wanted to have her on. Um, Erica has a master's degree in religious studies with a special focus on Mesoamerican shamanism, which is awesome. <laughs> and she's been a practicing curandera for 20 years. So we're so excited to talk to her about one of my truly favorite topics, curanderismo. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited. So, so excited you're here. <laughs> oh, for real. I've been looking forward to this all week. Um, so the first thing I have to say is this book, her third book, Energies of the Sun and Moon, um, came out earlier last summer. And I waited for that book. I knew that book was coming out months ahead of time and was like, I'm buying it. And I just happened to be taking a lot of your classes during that time. And when the book came out, you were so gracious enough to send me a signed copy and I truly cherish it. And, you know, it's, in, it's one of my favorite books so far, but the, I was able and lucky enough to do the classes for this book when you were doing them in real time. And I have to say like the classes were took this practice to a whole nother level. It was so beautiful. And all of the stuff that came out of it, it truly opened up like a whole nother side of my practice that I never even considered before. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your love and support. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. So I have to ask, because this question really was with me the whole time in the book. What inspired you to write this book? Many things, you know, it was one of those things that my, my mentors always had, you know, but do it during this time, 
Do it during that time. It was always like there was always a recommendation of when I was doing limpias, when I was doing any kind of magical work, any kind of divination. There were always rec- for different things. There was recommendations of what time of the day I should do it for. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then I started asking, well, why? You know, <laughs> what happens yeah. if I do it at this time of the day? And is that gonna, you know? And it was then it was telling me some of the stories. You know, yes. they were telling me some of the mythologies and. And then that got me very, very curious of like, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to understand more of what were these sacred energies and how they were understood by our ancestors um, and how yes. those influences my practice as a curandera and also the, my, my clients who are receiving the healing and the treatments and whatever else they're coming to me for. So it was it's, a combination of different things throughout the years. Yeah, of course. And it's interesting because for me personally, I've always worked with the sun, uh, with the moon, but it never occurred to me to work with the sun, especially the way that you laid it out. It was like revolutionary to my practice. It really was because it made me look at the sun in a completely different way. And I, I, it was just such a good connection. And, you know, it was just so interesting. And in the way that you laid it out with the two different cultures and how they both looked at the same principles. It's, it's, it shows so many connections and just, it was really magical. Thank you. Probably go back for our viewers and give like a good description of what Curanderismo is for anybody that might not know. Um, Definitely. Why why don't you lead us, Erica? How would you define it? So um, Curanderismo is a very eclectic and dynamic practice that at its essence, it's a Latin American shamanic healing practice, right? That um, its roots come from the indigenous peoples of the Americas. And, and then it starts incorporating various traditions because of colonization, war, you know, all kinds of issues that have come up over the hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it incorporates a lot of things also from, you know, Caribbean, African traditions, Judaic tradition, just so many different um, aspects that, that it incorporates, but its essence, its roots come from the indigenous peoples of the Americas. You can see a lot of the different ceremonies that were done that are still being done, you know, elements of it that were I done. Think, I think that's why it, it, it is so appealing to people who are biracial. I speak for myself included because it's so inclusive because you're honestly honoring all sides of you all peoples that make you up and their magics and what they bring to the table. And I also feel like that's what kept this tradition alive because it was able able to grow with people and bring people in Mm -hmm. instead of saying, you know, gatekeeping and checking them at the door. It it really brought everybody together. And I noticed that throughout, you know, Latin America, throughout even all of the Americas, that it has, everybody has their own flavor. So we all have something to add from our own, you know, singular cultural perspectives, as well as the collective. So that's why I love it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely being able to to sit and share and share stories and and other traditions and ways of understanding things. That is such an important part of the culture too, the sharing stories and the passing the stories down. Um, I loved how you did that in your book, by the way, like interweaving the cultural, you know, cultural aspects and the, the traditions into, into this book. Um, like just the way that it was like almost receiving it, like as if it was an oral 
you know. Yeah. Um, like almost like I could I can imagine my great grandfather telling me that story, you know, because he was very much into the, you know, he had the tradition of to, of storytelling tell as a way as well. Yeah, as a way of passing down lineage. So it's really nice the way that you wove that in there. So it's almost like, oh, and here's another story, you know? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was really helpful to see the color photos of the codices so that like the way you describe it there's a I'm a visual person so to see it I was like that's exactly what it looks like you know and it was opening to me because you know as somebody who's outside of the culture looking in I see their their hieroglyphs and their pictographs and I'm like okay I'm a little lost here so to have you break it down it really opened the door on a side of things that you know us Westerners don't really consider that when we're looking inward. So it was very helpful. And I love that you have them in all your books, honestly. <laughs> I do have to confess that your first book has a special place in my heart um, <laughs> for a completely unrelated reason. Uh, it filled in a lot of gaps that I had carried from my childhood. Um, our family is from Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. And when they came over, they brought parts of the culture and left other parts out. And reading your book, some of the traditions, some of like the superstition, some of the the Olympia rites, I knew them and I never knew why and where they came from. So it, it was such like a huge like connect for me. So that's why that book will always be my favorite. <laughs> and I thank you for writing it. Thank you. So my next question now, Every time we do an interview, I do like to throw in a couple of crazy questions. This is the first one. <laughs> what is the craziest answer your spirit guides have given you for a question that you ask? What is the craziest answer they've given me for a question that, that I've asked? Yes. Like totally out there, <laughs> did not expect it. <laughs> you can give us like the cliff notes. Think, you can think, think about one it. Of the, one of the most intense things was uh, somebody I felt was stuck. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and it was a, it was somebody who was very quiet and very reserved. Okay. And, and we had developed a rapport. So she, she trusted me. She trusted mm-hmm. me a lot, but she was still very quiet, very shy. And one of the things that they told me that was at her, sexual energies were stuck oh, and that she okay. needed to like practice, like moving those energies on her own. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. I was like, I was like what? And you're like, how do I have this conversation? <laughs> and she, it was just, it was, I mean, if it would have been the other, someone else that maybe would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. But this person was really shy. Yeah. And like, you know, like started trusting me and, and I just, you know, so that was one of the things of like explaining like to her, like how to move it, like how to breathe it in and how like the things that I was seeing and it worked though. Cause afterwards she started like coming into her power of and started course. becoming more vocal mm-hmm. and expressing herself because there were just a lot of, a lot of things that were stuck there. Yeah. yeah. And it, and yeah, it can yeah. definitely loosening that up can be very impactful just in so many different areas of your life you know, places you wouldn't even think to, to, to apply it to it. So that, I love that, you know, you're going to get nothing, but you know, it was just the funniest thing because her poor little, it's just sweetest little thing. Her face turned like every shades of red I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So Anya, do you, do you have a question you want to ask Erica? 
that was such a couple a, of good ones. That was such a good one. And I kind of want to stick with that for a minute since you gave me the opportunity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you think, uh, so this is like a tail to that question. Do you think that um, that has to do with like the chakras being misaligned or do you, do you have anything? Because I've been seeing that a lot lately and I'm just wondering what your take is on it. Well, for her, it had to do with, you know, and, you know, this is, of course, no, I haven't mentioned her name or anything, but she had a, she had a lot of sexual, she had sexual molestation issues, oh. you know, and, and she also had, there was also a rape too. Yeah. yeah. As an so adult. she shut so, down. Yeah. So it was just very much like, very like closed off, very like guarded. And it was like one of those things of having to, how to love herself again and how to love those areas and her sexual energy and not yeah. seeing is it something that was going to cause danger to her. Yeah, of course. So it really depends on like, but yeah, I mean, in a sense that you can definitely think of it that way. Cause I was definitely, there was definitely a block there for sure. An energy mm-hmm. center for sure. You know, but there was a, there was a, like a lot of layers with that too. And it was, that was like revolutionary for her. She had like a sexual revolution. That's amazing. <laughs> Literally. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you for so we got off we got so off topic with our first like five minutes but thank you Athena for that amazing icebreaker (laughs) well that's the thing you know y'all know I have ADHD so we're gonna do things crazy but you're gonna get all the information you need yeah so transitioning into a very interesting topic because this really was very present in your book and from the second I saw it I was like I need to know more um, I'm talking about the third gender deities, like, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Soshi Quetzal, and how it was, how, how the third deity, uh, the third gender deities were viewed in society, because that right there was just like, so interesting, especially now that you're seeing so many people being out and being who they are, and how we are kind of readjusting in society. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, I mean, oh, definitely, there's definitely a beautiful renaissance. And that is something definitely that I, I, um, I work a lot with the LGBT community. So that is mm-hmm. something that it was, it was believed that, you know, that people that can embody, they were shapeshifters. And yes. in a lot of the performances, I mean, there were different variances of that, you know, in terms of the third gender. Um, I mean, it was just so expansive and so wide in terms of the performance and what it was done for. Because it was yes. sometimes it was believed that somebody at that time and in their performance could actually embody not just different genders, but also different deities and supernatural beings at the same time or at different variances, depending on their movements, depending on their dance, depending on, you know, what the ritual was for. And it was something that was a lot more. I mean, it was just very it was a fundamental part of the ceremonies. You take, you can take notice of it when you see like the Mexica dancers at different powwows around the country. Um, I was lucky enough two summers ago to bring my children for the first time to powwow because I was helping them connect with their indigenous roots. And just you could visually see the power from their dances. Like you could connect right with it and see it being kicked up as they whirled around as they made different gestures. It was just, it was so powerful. Like I couldn't stop looking at it. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was, it was amazing too, because in those performances, it was also believed that too, that because there were different animating, animating energies that you used, they used during the, um, during the shape-shifting. And I talked mm-hmm. a lot about this in my book that's coming up, uh, my fourth book, Animal Medicine, but they used a lot from the Theolia, the heart space. 
And they was believed that as they were shape-shifting and they were dancing that they were literally emitting that energy out from their sacred heart, emitting that yeah. energy to the community. You know, so it was, it was, I mean, they were absolutely fundamental part, like fundamental actors and performers and shamans in these, in these communities. You can see it even present day. It's beautiful that it's been able to be preserved. Yes. Yes. So now I got to ask you another crazy question. Uh, we are herb lovers, uh, gardeners up in here, you know, in New York. Um, we have to ask what is in your garden? Cause you give off gardener vibes. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like what isn't in my garden. I, have, I hear you. <laughs> I have, I have different, I have different components because I have various, I have like a garden, like specifically that's just for limpias, you know, like to do baridas, to do sweeps, you know, there's sage in there, there's rue, um, there's lavender, there's different, and there's five different kinds of different sage too. Yes. Um, and there's also geranium, like just different, different things that I can bundle with. Cause if, if a client comes like, I, I need to get the bundle off right there. Then I have another garden mm. where I have for teas, you know, healing and medicinal teas that I do a lot that I offer to, especially after like a cleanse, after Olympia, after ceremonial cleanse, we, we drink tea to help, you know, ease any kind of like digestive issues or just continue the purging. And then I have like tons of flowers and fruit trees. So um, yeah. we will be releasing an episode about gardening. So you guys are going to hear my side of it, but it sounds like we plan our gardens very similarly. Um, I'm always, I'm queen of the multi-purpose. I want to have five herbs that can cure almost everything right there, right where I know it is, and then build off of that. So <laughs> it's all medicinal. It's all, everything is planted for a purpose, you know? So it's, it's beautiful to hear another uh, friendly gardener. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So the next question I have for you, what is your favorite to work with the sun or the moon and which part about it? I, I you know, I love them both. I love, I honestly, I honestly do. Um, I am always working and I always work with both. Yes. I always work with both when, even at nighttime, when I'm working with night, I'm always understanding that I'm working with the Jaguar, the Jaguar sun, you know, the, the, the shapeshifter, mm -hmm. the transformative right. aspect. And with the moon, I'm looking at the moon in terms of her magic. I'm tapping into that. And when I'm doing something during the day to really get the power, to really focus on power, um, I'm, I'm always considering what aspect the moon is in. Now, my favorite phases of the moon that I like working with are definitely the waxing. I mean, she's yes. like, that's my favorite. My favorite, and I like the waning too because it's like the waning because I could do because there's just so much of it. I could do so many different things with the it's wax. Versatile, moon. yeah, yeah, so many different things. Um, you know, I know everybody loves the full moon and the new moon, but I'm just like, I want more days. <laughs> yeah, of course, and then you can do whatever you need to do. <laughs> so, when you're crafting a petition or doing any kind of spell working. How do you approach it when it comes to working with the sun and the moon? Which one do you, is your, like your go-to first? You got to do this straight out the gate for everything. So um, when it's definitely going to be like something like I, a lot of things that, that I require usually I, I, but I'm blessed with like a really nice life right now. So I don't Beautiful. need to, 
you know, I don't need too many transformation, but I like the power of the sun. Mm-hmm. So that is usually, I'm usually garnering a lot of the things from the sun, you know, creation, creating something in the power and using, you know, at the sun at, at, at his um, zenith, right? Yes. So I do a lot of things during the waxing phase of the moon. I'm always considering that just because there's like growth and then there's power and then there's magical growth. So that's usually what I do. I, I work usually with like the power of the sun. That's usually my go-to. Um, no, no, sometimes when like I get like, cause every now and then I get like something, there's a little black or there's something funky in my yeah. candles or there's something, something, something. You got to reconcile that <laughs> weird, like happened with something, someone or something. It's like, okay, now what, you yeah. know, then I'll work with like the night I'll work with the waning. I'll work with the more transformative things. I'll work with more of the, the third, the third gender aspects. Very nice. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Especially like thinking about your book, because like I said before, um, I've had experience with the moon, but I never thought to incorporate the sun. So as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I'm like, how would she go about crafting her own workings? How does she layer it? Because layering the intentions is very important for any working that you're doing. So thank you for that answer. That clears that up for me. I have, I have to ask as well. What is the, the lesson that you were really trying to convey with this, with the sun and the moon, um, sacred energies book? Like, what was the thing you were trying to tell us? To, you know, if anything is that to be aware and, and to uh, be aware, be more mindful of what time of the day it is, what's going on, like that there's natural magic all around us just at the time of the day. And there's different understandings of that. And there's different ways to use it in a very practical way that we don't necessarily have to do various kinds of complicated ceremonies, but we can focus, you know, say mantras and say certain things that will help empower that and utilize those energies from the sun and the moon in a way of treating life as sacred and not dissociating like, this is my time for meditation. This is the time when I do ceremonies. This is the time when I do work. This is when a time I'm, I'm a mom or I'm a dad or I'm this or I'm that. Like, constantly disassociating ourselves but like treating it and like interweaving like really treating it as life being sacred and understanding the sacrality of those different phases of our day and different periods of the day yeah mission accomplished yeah (laughs) we it definitely came through i will tell you that um for everyone we want to thank erica buena flor curandera and teacher Her new book is Sacred Energies of the Sun and the Moon. Um, It's available where you get your spiritual books. Uh, Can you tell people how they get a hold of you? Um, They can go to realizeyourbliss.com. And I have their events. I have um, the books. I have a lot of different things there and different sessions and all kinds of fun stuff. Her classes are awesome, by the way. Highly recommended. I speak from experience. (laughs) Well, for all of you, we thank you. I'm Athena Silver. I'm a professional psychic medium, a healer, and a teacher myself. If anybody would like a tarot reading or a mediumship reading, my website is readingswithathenasilver.com. 
My Instagram is Athena.Silver. My Facebook is Readings with Athena Silver. And my TikTok is Athena underscore Silver. How about you, Anya? Thank Great. Started <laughs> my past life hypnotherapist and tarot reader. And you can reach me at Anya River, A-N-J-A-R-I-V-E-R at Facebook and Instagram. We go live every Thursday on YouTube and on all podcasting apps. We put out um, a, an episode. So if you want to track us and see what we're up to, make sure you like, subscribe, and follow the Rebel Crow Psychic Show. Have a beautiful night. Bye.